Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We might crash into uh, race one. David Moran will also be on later in the show as he drives up to Wagga. We'll be able to grab him and get a good chat with him for maybe 15 minutes and talk Miracle Mile. But race one at uh, Tabcorp Park, Melton, Dan. I've got Haranya on top. As you know, I've got a big opinion of this horse. Ran fifth in the Bonanza. It was a huge second to Halliver, who franked that form with a terrific run in the Horsham Cup last start. I think it's the best horse in the race. But the horse I'm tipping uh, each way, and it's my second strongest play of the night, is number two, I'm No Pumpkin. Ran second in a stall cup and beat home Crime Rider. If you plonked Crime Rider into this race drawn gate two, you would not get $21. You'd be getting about $2, $2.50. Then Elmore Cup, it was uh, six back the outside. Cobram Cup was five back the outside. In a breakthrough heat at um, Ballarat was five back the fence to Serge Blanco when he only ran home the last 400 metres. A fifth to Outlaw Man from three back on the outside in 54-4. If Alan Tormey can bite the bought and get across the pole horse, Al Bella Chair and I'm No Pumpkin can get to the market pegs early. Uh, it's now in at $18.390. It is a great each-way play, number two, I'm No Pumpkin. Then you look back to the back line, don't you? 11, Cosimo is a really nice horse. Captain Pins. If they go real hard during this race, he'll be crashing home at the end. He's got enormous ability. I think this horse will go right up to about 100 Raider. He's just not going to win his races really quickly because he needs a little bit of luck in running. And the other one at big value was 10 ready to rock, I thought, who could run a race at 41 and 7. Over to you, Dan. Okay, I... I'm probably going to make a bigger case here for my second tip. but Same um, as I just did, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. I think Harania is the one to beat and, and definitely the most progressive. But you identified I'm No Pumpkin. I've priced I'm No Pumpkin at 850 thinking that yep. uh, the barrier draw will, will help and definitely that Kowalski analysis stall cup performance suggests that this is a very suitable race. So I've got um, no doubt you've found one there at odds. Um, similarly, I have two. But there's another one that I'm a little surprised it is the price it is in the market. Don't get me wrong, there's a bit of a uh, a little bit of a guessing game. But Courageous Saint now returns to the uh, to the Julie Douglas stable after a northern sojourn. Um, and he's a very experienced pacer. He's won 24 races, but I figure if Lip Reader, uh, who's won 23 races coming down from Tassie, can be $3.80, I tend to think Courageous Saint is the forgotten horse at $14 at the moment on the tab market anyway. Now, how about this for form? The last time that this horse was uh, in the state, he ran second at Melton behind a horse. Uh, look, you might have remembered. Ride he hasn't raced for some time. Ride high. <laughs> and his last win in Victoria, which is only a handful of starts before he went up north, he beat Soletic and San Carlo. Yeah. I mean, this is a decent horse. And um, I, I think he finds the right race to resume in. So my suggestion is to throw him in. And maybe at the price he is at the moment, $14, he might be a bit of value. Um I'm No Pumpkin's the other one I've thrown in. As I've mentioned, he's my third pick. And Cosimo is just so consistent. I know it seems like he doesn't win, but he can very much win this race. He's the other one with a strong winning chance. And I think one of those four, I feel comfortable there, the winning chances. There's a number of others that... uh, Eagle Watch was good last start, maybe up a little bit more in class, but he's another could finish in the top four. And Lip Reader's a lot shorter in the market. I wonder if I'm underestimating something here. Uh, he has won 23 races, the, the Tasmanian. A lot of recent form has been in stand-start races. Um, but I thought it's... I will, I'm surprised to see him at $3.80. Um, I'm also surprised to see the overs about both I'm No Pumpkin and Courageous Saint. And uh, I think Harania's the one to beat. So my tips are 12, 6, 2 and 11 can, can make some cases for some horses at odds there. Uh, had Rowan Hillier on the show yesterday. He's a bit concerned about the draw with the horse. He just hasn't seen the mobile for some time. 
Uh, so he's not sure how he'll get off the gate. And he did say he's going to be here for maybe four or five weeks to have a crack at a few of these races, indicating that he doesn't really expect him just to win this week. Uh, let's get to a break. Uh, we'll come back the other side with Damien Burns. as a couple that one I know Dan's keen on, one I'm keen on as well. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. No, Jason Bonington, Toby McKinnon with you. It's been the, this is the last of my four weeks, Dan. I had a lot of fun with Dan Malecki over this journey. And Damien Burns has joined us again. He's uh, no stranger to coming on the radio with me. Damien, mate, how are you and whereabouts are you today? Uh, g'day, Toby. Yeah, good, thanks. I'm um, in Ballarat. So, yeah, just going through the motions at the moment. Uh, Dan Malecki's here as well. First, we better clear up uh, last night, mate. Bit disappointing from Celestio Matusa. How's he pulled up? Uh, yeah, pulled up really good, Toby. Um, you know, looking looking back on the race, probably, um, you know, we probably went a bit hard in the middle stages. Uh, Chris landed a couple on his on his backside to get around the field, and then he never settled at all. Um, yeah, and kicked the wheels. Uh, kicked the cart for the rest of the way and, you know, severely over-raced. So I, I don't think he ran that bad in the end. Um, and, you know, I was um, um and ah on whether to perhaps um, give him a trial before um, going to the races. So I was using that run as a bit of a, hmm. um, trial. a trial, but it was sort of probably one of his harder runs that he's had. Yeah. You've had not a lot of luck with him, have you? I, I, I said before the race last night, he's a horse who, who should have a far superior record than what he's got. He, he at times he looks like a serious racehorse, but for one reason or another, Damien, he hasn't won the races that you think he would. And I, I really thought it might have done his confidence the world of good if he could win that race last night. So um, in that sort of class going forward, there's options for him to do that, which might benefit him significantly. Yeah, I agree, uh, a bit Dan. He's. Um... He's probably with his record. Um, you know, I did hear you say that, and I thought, well, you know, he probably has. To be fair to him, he's run against the top-notch horses his whole career. He hasn't really had any easy races, and last night, so-called, was easy, but it was his first step up against aged horses, and um, you know, and probably he exceeded expectations. I think in the two-year-old season when he won the heat and semi uh, final of the. Uh, Vic Bread and then run second in the final. So he was really in a good patch then uh, and probably all the way along was a little bit below the, the good ones, but, um, you know, not far behind. Dan, Dan you, you, this will wire you up a bit, Dan. His record would be a lot better, but as a young two-year-old, a lot of the races fell over on him and he just couldn't get runs for a while. Could you, uh, Damien? That's frustrating, <laughs> Yeah, isn't it? We, did, we did nominate him a lot um, <laughs> early as, as the same happens you know, most years now, but uh, and they didn't stand up. And even a few of them early races that I did put him in when he won his first race, he was he was sort of drawing um, sort of wide. And, and you know, I was often to go back in a small field and they were walking early and, and flying home, you know, in a, in a 56 or 55. And he was running terrific, but I couldn't get near him. So, and I didn't really want to, like, do what happened last night, um, get him up there mm. revving too hard because he can... Uh, he tends to over-race a little bit at the best of times, but in the better races, uh, when they're humming, he, he actually sits on that, you know, in that speed of race a lot better. Hey, Damien's Dan, Dan, yeah. I've got a question for you. When you got to Ballarat last night, had idle times got out from the week before yet? Or was he still looking, <laughs> was he still looking for a way out? <laughs> he was still probing for a run there. Um, <laughs> he's a funny horse. I can't say that I can work him out, but at times he looks like a decent horse and, when he's on the pegs is obviously a big help. And, um, yeah, his run last week must have frustrated you, Damien, through no fault of anybody. But it, I think the positive that come out of that, you'd be pretty happy perhaps where he's at um, because he was second up. And I think clearly if he had got clear running, um, he would have probably won, but he certainly would have been in the in the finish. Oh, I think so, Dan. Like over the short distances, a lot of... If you look at his runs over the 22, um, you know, you really... Other than early days, you might as well put a line through him. He's a short course horse, and um, you know, and really, when he he gets the front, you know, win, lose or draw, you know, it pays to keep it for as long as you can. And um, 
because he, he loses a bit of interest when he's following a helmet. So, um, you know, as often as we can, he'll be he'll be in front and holding it, um, you know, even if we do get rolled. He's, um, I have tipped him, hence why uh, Toby wanted to, to get you on the show. I, I just think this race suits him. It's in a race where there's not a lot of winning form and when Belittled is the only horse to have won a race at its last five starts, with due respect here, because they're all, you know, similar type horses, um, it's a good race for idle. It's a good race for any horse that could draw barrier one in this race. Uh, he, he's another one of those horses you got as an early two-year-old. Considering, you know, all those races, those two-year-old races that get deleted because there's not being uh, enough um, uh, acceptors, which is incredibly frustrating. I know firsthand and with groups of people that I've, I've had involved with two-year-olds, it, it's highly off-putting. But amazingly, Damien, you've been able to do it year after year. I reckon at least a couple of times you've won the first two-year-old race of the year. So to have your horses, particularly your two-year-olds, up and going so early, and Idle Times was, was effectively one of those horses. I think he won a two-year-old at his second start. But, you know, I, I don't know how you do it and then have to put up with the frustrations um, of trying to find a two-year-old race where they can run in because um, they seem to be fewer and, and uh, farer between nowadays. Yeah, you're right. Um yeah, it is a bit frustrating when you you know you've you've got them, you know you put the the work into them and you're ready to go and there's you know I think there's still a fair few out there that could race too that they opt um, to save them for later on in the in the year and probably it uh, it would help if like they used to do at Leeton if they actually you know forced the hand a bit and put a put a nice race on real early um, like they did in the old days I think it was Kilmore Cup Day or something they used to have the first mm. two year old um, but even have a at a decent uh, prize money, and then you know the natural going two-year-olds, they'll they'll race, you know, because um, you know when you're only you know running, you know, for your normal prize money as a, as a first race two-year-old. Well, what's the hurry? You've got, you know, if you've got a nice two-year-old, you've got all year to win. Um, so no one, no one rushes really. No, not at all. But you have got a two-year-old running my Bucks Night as well. So just wonder where the naming of that horse may have uh, why may have come from. It's by, well, it's out of the Blushing the Bride. So there yeah. you go. There's. Uh, <laughs> I thought that might, might have something to do with cheese, but we won't go there. But um, here's another two-year-old that you got to win. When was the last year you didn't have a two-year-old, not just win, uh, but a two-year-old win one of the early races? Um, yeah, I did a little thing just before, um, probably in in the last, um, I don't know, maybe five or six or so years since probably Idle Time started. I think I've probably had a two-year-old winner, whether it be a trotter or a pacer, um, nearly every year, or by one maybe. But um, and although you know some of them haven't gone gone on after that and been anything special, but there's been a few few that have, you know, have gone on and. And being more than handy. Don't, I'm I'm going to tip my Bucks Knight on top, Damien. What happened to that first run? He, he it was a poor run, but he trialed really well previous to that, and and of course the win at Maryborough. I'm staggered he went around fifty one dollars after just on his trial form. If he forgave that first run, he he looked a really good chance in that race. Yeah, Toby. I like oh, I could forgive him of his first uh, race because um, prior to I think it was prior to. The new year, I think he, I took him and qualified him at Geelong, and he qualified really well. And then, of course, a few races got uh, cancelled. <laughs> and then I usually go away, uh, you know, early January. So I went away for a couple of weeks, which normally, you know, I got things in place at the stables to keep um, keep ticking along. Uh, but it didn't eventuate like that this time around. So. Most of my horses had a holiday like me, and then when I come back, um, you know, they're all a little bit underdone. And, and of course, when the race was going to stand up, I put him in there anyway. Um, and yeah, he, he was um, probably a fair bit behind his trial run. Uh, to be fair to the horse, and probably most of my other runners in that month were, you know, only just, um, oh. you know, coming back, I suppose. Well, I'm sold, Dan. Idle times in a My Bucks night. It's currently about 90 to 1 for the all Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to ask Damien who he thinks his better chance is or if they're both really good each-way chances, Damien. Uh, I'd say they're good each-way chances. I think, um, you know, if idle times can get out uh, good from one and hold the front, um, 
you know, he's, he's a good each way chance. And and my Bucks Knight, uh, going on his run the other day, um, you know, he sharpened up a lot from that run because um, he didn't show a lot of interest in his first race either. Um, and he's a bit like that as a horse. He, he, he's got a, I don't know, you've got to sort of switch him on a little bit. And uh, I think the penny's just starting to drop with him. So, you know, I'm hoping you see a better effort again from him in that particular race, which he will obviously have to improve a bit on that run. Damien, mate, thanks for uh, coming on. I think Dan and I have sold. We're going to be very strongly uh, tipping them for both each way. Uh, well, always love having you come on the show, mate. Uh, best of luck Saturday night. Might see you in, uh, in the winner's circle. Good on you guys. Thanks for having me. There is Damien Burns. And just to recap, Dan, uh, I wasn't with Idle Times initially. We're going to go back and I'm going to have a good hard look at that race again. He's got to be in there somewhere. You've got Idle Times. And uh, what are you tipping in the third in about 30 seconds? Race three to two-year-old. I've got Remy Lou on top, number five. This is a tricky race. Um, you've made a good case for my Bucks night. I thought Ferrigno was really good on debut. It gets barrier seven again, though. And Soho Honey Rider. So I've tipped five, eight, wow. seven, two. Interesting race for the betting flux, though. Yeah, look, I and- went eight, five, seven, two. My query on Remy Lou was being a filly coming back from New South Wales in, in the short turnaround might just make it a little bit hard for her and... Uh, I'll relook at race two. I initially had Major Delico on front, but in on top. But I want to get on idle times now. Let's get to a break. We'll come back uh, and we'll wrap this up on the top of the hour. Live on SEN Track. Welcome to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Welcome back, Toby McKinnon, in the hot seat, although I am standing up at the moment, but uh, I am in the hot seat for Jason Bonington. I'm joined by Dan Malecki, and I don't think we actually got Dan, or I didn't write him down. I didn't get your top four, actually, for race two. So if you can just go back a step, you've got one idle times on top, and then who did you have for second, third, and fourth? We never covered it off, I don't think. Uh, seven steel screens, six Captain Confetti and eight Miracuru. So one, seven, six and eight in the second. And race three, I tipped five, eight, seven and two. Five, eight, seven and two. I did have that one. Thank you. So let's get stuck into race four at Melton is the uh, big screen company three-year-old pace. And it's only a small field. And mm. sometimes... These sort of smaller fields, you think to yourself, well, we'll be able to work this one out pretty quickly. But there's a lot of different form lines and things to assess as a first starter. Sea Silk's only had a couple of runs, and it's from the powerful Emma Stewart camp. Chiripo comes back from a New South Wales Oaks campaign where she was absolutely terrific, and nothing but waves has beaten up on inferior opposition, but she hasn't sort of performed at this level. Where did you set on, Dan, after, all, after throwing all that together? Yeah, look, I agree. It's a, it's mm. a tough race. Um, I think Sharipo, I like the way it's going. It probably went to Sydney maybe a run short before the Oaks series come up and performed well in both uh, the heat and then the final, fifth in both. Uh, I think we get a good guide to where she was at. When she was first up and I think clearly underdone, she's run fourth from a bad gate behind Is This Just Fantasy? That was the same race that Soho Seraphine finished second, and Sea Silk ran third. So um, I think she'll be very hard to beat. It is a small field, and sometimes in these fields they can single out. And there's no real advantage, even in a small field, when you're coming from behind. But at least I think she's ready now. So six Sharipo. Sea Silk probably leads, I think. Um, she's only a little girl, but there's definitely plenty of ability there. She was run down by a couple of smart horses last time, and, and that form, as I say, has been frank with the Soho Seraphine running second in the Oaks in Sydney last week. Um, interesting runner is the well-bred jiving with Sierra. The family just produced winner after winner, yeah. and this filly is is trained by Emma Stewart. And um, a major drama, I've got time for her. She was placed behind Soho Seraphine and Sea Silk, so a similar form line drawn a good gate. I've tipped six uh, from two, uh, one, and three. Good tipping, Dan. I've gone the same numbers. Wow, in, in a difficult race. That's amazing. Yeah, it is a little bit because... Well, we thought it was difficult. Anyway, the market's probably suggesting 
it's uh, pretty straightforward. But we've both got major drama. Who is the second outsider of the field? Yeah, well, Chiripo, and just to confirm, I did speak to Laura Croson on air since that gold chalice, and the horse was definitely underdone. They were super happy with the run in the gold chalice, and that was basically the reason for that for that Oaks campaign, that they were so happy with her effort uh, to Cecil for all the reasons you said. Yeah, major drama. Ran third from three back the fence to Soho Seraphine and Silk, and I think um, the map says it's going to have a beautiful run behind the likely leader, Silk, and I think it's a filly that's going to win some races. Major drama, not quite just yet, and... And driving with Sierra has won a trial in two one five. Got ran second in its last trial, beaten ten meters in two one nine. Which just probably I'd rather see it just finish a little bit closer than that ten meter margin. And the other and the other two, nothing but waves. And then she's Poppy, who is effectively nearly a stable mate of Chiripo. And if it wasn't in the race, she's Poppy. This race wouldn't have stood up, Dan. Which was another little another little flag that I raised, thinking that uh, that improves Chiripo's chances. If that makes sense, let's get mm. into race five, the Garrard's uh, Melton Shop. A very interesting race. This is a number of chances in it. I actually, I think, uh, Karamar Solomona was a was a huge effort when it was yeah. three wide the trip last start. How well has it recovered from that race? I think just a little sip is the best horse in the race. Bide our time is absolutely flying. We'll catch up with David Moran in about twenty five minutes, and no doubt we'll ask him about Bide our time amongst the. He's got a an okay drive at Menangle that he's probably thinking about a little bit too. Uh, then there's the back row, you know, Major Mamba, Magic Mike, Finn Frost are all key players in this race. Uh, Dan Malecki, tell us what you're doing here. And if you've got the same four in order as me, then um, I'm going to give up. Yeah, well, don't give up, but uh, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be equally as shocked as you. Correct. Um, uh, because for, with each 30 seconds, I'm I'm shuffling around my thoughts. <laughs> um, they're changing yeah. every time. Yeah. I can be easily persuaded here. You're right about Caramar Solomona last start. It was uh, it was a tough run, uh, caught wide. Um, it but didn't really drop out, though, did it, after the tough run? And they ran really good time. Oh, well, I think for that sort of class of race, it was good time, 154.9. Mm. Naturally, they can go quicker and he can go faster. He's got good um, gate speed, and I think from one, he's, he's a really good, op- uh, good chance of being able to lead this race and run well. If can run third to better zip at Whiskey Cavalier, that form line suggests, and that was from Barrier 1, he can run really well here. He actually ran second that night, didn't he? And then he lost second on protest. So That's he right. can lead up, even though they took the sit that night, but that was over the 2100. I think this time over the short, if he can lead, and, and I think he can, I don't think they'll be uh, looking to take a trail. Um, with that in mind, I think Major Manbar, if he can settle and feel comfortable uh, from inside the back row, he might end up behind the leader and he's going to be a terrific chance, I think, from there. I'm trying to think of the times where he has been leader's back and I have to go back a long way, but if he's comfortable in that spot, I think Major Manbar is going to be a good each-way play. So I've put eight on top from one Caramar Solomona, five just a little sip, lightly raced, uh, building a really good record. Uh, it was a, a good win last start, a, a, a dominant win, and, and I think he's got more upside this prep. He should be at his peak now. And and Magic Mike, who's going really well. So 8-1-5-9. There are other chances as well. You mentioned Finn Frost. I would have liked to have got him into my top four <laughs> and bide our time. And it's, again, if you shuffle it around and really you twisted my arm, I could swap one for the other. But um, eight one five nine are my top four in a race where you might have to go a bit wider in the first leg of the quaddy. Yeah, look, I'll settle on just a little sip. I think he's the best horse in the race. He won his first five in Australia, fifth and ninth through that Victorian derby in a very strong Victorian derby last year. He he had no luck for a couple of runs back from a spell. He was too good for them last start where he won. Uh, that was the Idle Times race, I think, at Ballarat. I just think he's the best horse in the race. He should get across to a strong position, maybe outside the leader, uh, and control the race. Only query on Karamar Solomona is has it backed up. I've been a big fan of this horse. I tipped it on Trot's Vision at Bendigo when it ran a placing at uh, it was twelve fifteen to one the place. That's uh, a highly underrated horse, highly underrated stable. Robert McCartney, Michael Stanley gets back on board. I don't think Anthony Butt would have had 
much of a choice in the sense he would have ha- happily driven just a little sip, knowing that Michael Stanley, a drive Caramar Solomona, is probably the first pick driver, Michael Stanley, anyway. Yeah, well, he was terrific, Caramar Solomona, in that uh, breakthrough series last start. Uh, yeah, it's a total forgive run. I just don't know if he'll get crossed, maybe, and end up behind the leader, which puts Major Manbar in a sticky position. But I had him in for third, the similar to you, and Magic Mike for fourth. And then under that, I've got Finn Frost and Bite Our Time and in what is a really even race. And, and I don't blame the listeners if they back something else in that race. But uh, I'll be tipping Karamar Solomona on an each-way basis when we get to my game plan. Race six is the hip pocket workwear and safety pace. And another race where there's a few permutations to this, and I think you've got to settle yourself. Are you in a Jillaby Willow camp, and will she get across, and is she just going that good that she's too good for these? If you remember a few weeks back, she drew gate two, and she was $11 when we did the Friday form panel. You wouldn't get that $11 now in that same race. Imperial's reason has been okay for the Emma Stewart camp, uh, certainly off its runs, if it was trained by Toby McKinnon, it wouldn't be $3.20, that is for sure, but it must be respected. And Common Courtesy, Common Courtesy is $10. It's won two of its last three. I spoke with uh, uh, Wayne Ronan not long ago, uh, middle of last week it was actually, and very special horse. The mother of this horse, uh, Helen, was named after uh, Wayne's late mother, Helen, and Helen's in paradise. Uh, she was named only a few weeks after she passed away, and every time Common Courtesy goes around, reminds him of his mother. And her feet are right. She's had real bad feet issues, and they've, they've got them right now, and he, he, they're really happy with Common Courtesy as she's matured into a nice mare. And the other one, uh, there's a lot of other each-way chances as well that could, that could figure. Dan, where did you settle in this race? Yeah, I wasn't sure either. Again, uh, there could be a bit of value in the quaddy, and, and even the big six tomorrow night is a the, the, the tab have seeded the pool, which is a great idea. I, I don't know why they don't do that more often with a big six, but let it accumulate as well. If no one gets it tomorrow, let it jackpot to the following week so we can get some massive pools. But that uh, might be worth having a crack at the the big six, and it looks like there's going to be a bit of value. I think they're expecting a pool of about seventy or seventy five thousand. So. Keep that in mind. It's always helpful when we get prior knowledge of that because I think it's a bet type we'd all like to put something into with the lure of a big collect. And there is an opportunity there with a couple of races where we could get a bit of value. And this is one of those races. Quaddy as well. Um, Polly put kettle on. Um, I think at one stage there we thought she might have been slightly better. Maybe me. Maybe I thought she was slightly better than what she was. But I think this is a good race for her. Um, she was beaten fair and square by Jellyby Willow. Uh, I think last start, but it was still a solid run, and I think she uh, is a is a good chance here, as are the, a number of others. Really been impressed by Zach Chappenden and the way he drives. He 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 drove a winner, uh, but his coolness and ability to read the races, just in a handful of races that I've watched, um, he he drives beyond his years. So, and when you line up someone with that sort of talent with the Emma Stewart stable, I think that's a positive. Hmm. So. Polly put Kettle on is my top selection. I, I tell you, there's another one there that um, has got the ability and in this, it's thought of in the market, uh, Shayella, number 11. I think it's a good race for Shayella, but they're going to need the race to be suited for horses that can come from behind. So that will mean that if Jillaby Willow does lead, um, it, it, it probably has to work a bit to get there because if she, the easier she gets to the front, the harder she will be to beat. If indeed she can lead, so she's definitely in the mix. Because if you knew that she would lead, she'd probably be a flip of the coin uh, price. I think Toby um, Imperial's reasons the other one that's got a bit of gate speed was solid last start, um, and with a good gate, I think she just cannot be ignored. So ten Polly put kettle on, eleven Shayella, seven Jillaby Willow, two Imperial's reason. Another horse that's going really well, and the faster they go, would be a chance. Has lost four words, similar to Common Courtesy, who. Her two wins of late have been run, uh, one in races that have been run at frantic tempos, which has really suited her. And the same tempo would suit Lost Four Words because I think she's going really well. My top four, 10, 11, 7, and 2. Yeah, a lot of chances in this race. Uh, Kate Hargrave's very happy with Lost Four Words and uh, she's maturing into a much better horse than uh, people probably realise is what, what was basically uh uh, summarising what she said yesterday on uh, Trot's Life, uh, Shayella, Laura Crosland, they were super happy with her first up run, Dan, which was in the Ladyship Stakes. They basically uh, sent her around in that race 
almost as a trial when she drew gate seven. They weren't worried about her at all, and she went absolutely fantastic. Had no real luck in Sydney from some tricky barrier draws, gate nine and eight, and she's she's a top-class mare. I've settled on nine common courtesy at ten dollars and two eighty. I just think she maps really well to follow through on the back of Imperial's reason and no win, no worries at the start. I think she's gonna land in a really good position, one out, one back, three back the outside. She's won two of her last three. The other start where she ran fourth, she was closing late onto their backs as well. She's going really well and I think she's a great each way bet at ten dollars and two eighty. Uh, Shayawa, number 11 in for second sh- for the reasons I've just said. She, she's just racing really well, and she might be just a little level above these. And I've thrown one in for a play, number one, Heavenly Charm. I know uh, at first glance you'll think, oh, yeah, she hasn't been going that well. But if you go back two starts ago, she ran fifth from four back the fence to Jillaby Willow. She she made a little bit of ground on Jewelby Willow in that race. And I think it just maps really well for Heavenly Charm. She'll sit on the back of Imperial's Reason. She was just a little bit, but she was beaten a fair way by Jewelby Willow last start, 12 and a half metres off sitting off its back. But I just think if they go slow in the middle tempo here, Heavenly Charm could run a place at any old odds at $12 the drum. And number eight, Orby, who'll be on Heavenly Charms back. It'll be charging through late, Orby. Uh, it could win the race uh, if it could get one horse closer. I just don't think it'll get that one horse closer. David Moran, uh, he has a lot to do with Orby. You won't be driving Orby, of course, on Saturday night. Uh, imagine it be Cody or Rockenberger. I haven't checked that, actually. Uh, who'll be driving Orby? Uh, yeah, Cody Rockenberger is down to drive Orby. Let's get to a break. So my numbers there were... 10, 11, 1, and 8. And, no, sorry, 9, 11, 1, and 8. Let's get to a break. We'll come back and we'll assess the last two races at Melton, the Marco Vina free-for-all and the Allied Express trot. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel. Pitchy's chipped in. Great to have our Tasmanian friend Pitchy on the line. Awesome listening gentleman. He's out fishing yesterday, uh, living the good life down there in Tassie, I reckon. Race seven is the Markovina, the better vet, Markovina free-for-all. Pete uh, Gath doesn't have a drive in this race. I suppose Andy's the closest connection to the great Markovina. It's a race, Dan, that we've had some really tricky ones that looked really hard to work out, but this race just looks a bit simpler, doesn't it? Supreme Dominator should lead. AG's White Sox has been racing really well. The re- There's a few other horses that, that are going really well. Curly James, Helliver, Bulletproof Boy, Tango yeah. with Sierra. Obviously, he's going to get a good run on, on the map that Supreme Dominator leads, but if you told me I had to have one horse all night a tip that would definitely win, I'd probably settle on Supreme Dominator as my absolute best. It's amazing to think, you know, we talk about picket fences. Well, effectively, Outlaw <laughs> Man's got the Great Wall of China, and it's $18. Um, it's extraordinary, up-in-class, different barrier draw. But I, I like Supreme Dominator. I wasn't hell-bent on him leading because I thought AG's White Sox would be a lovely horse to sit behind um, as well. So either way, Supreme Dominator can win this race. I must admit, though, um, last time he finished last of eight, I, I would have liked to have just seen a little yeah, more. Yeah, um, His first up run was good, needed the run. Last time, I wasn't so sure. He was out the back in a race that didn't necessarily suit him. But, um, look, I, I was, I'm more willing to forgive because he's got a better gait. And James Herbertson, I reckon he'll get an opportunity if he wants to really dig up to try to hold AG's White Sox or just simply take the trail, AG's Watsox as a quick beginner, and settle uh, behind him and get a comfortable run. So either way, I think uh, James and Supreme Dominator are going to be well-placed here. Uh, He's not really the horse that is often on the pegs and getting a good run. I think he gets that opportunity to do it. So one on top. um, I, I, I think Bulletproof Boys, well, he's never really going badly, is he? And even in that Horsham Cup, which was... I don't know. I found it a bit of an odd race, um, the way it turned out. And he still wasn't beaten that far, but the run prior was terrific. He beat Supreme Dominator before that. 
in a small field. He's got such a good burst of speed. He'll go around at good odds again. He's not the sort of horse you can let go around at those odds. AG's White Sox and Curly James, obviously, in the mix as well. So one, seven, three and five. Yeah, well, obviously, I've settled on Supreme Dominator, I think. If he's right, Herbie will hold the front. If Joe Pay says this horse is, you know, third up and we're as happy as can be with him, he'll hold the front, James. He'll take all uh, chance out of it because what if AG's White Sox leads and hands up to Curly James or Helver or something? Herbie won't want that, So, and neither will Joe Pay. So I think if the horse is spot on, he'll hold the front, and I expect he'll do that. Uh, got him on top. AG's White Sox was terrific in the, the Horsham Cup. There's three runners come out of the Horsham Cup in this. He was the first home of them. He ran third. However, ran fourth. And uh, Bulletproof Boy ran eighth. Uh, I've got Curly James in for third. Was was just an astonishing run, really, when you go back and look at it when it ran that third to Dullaby Dynamite and Radius. Really good in the breakthrough series when it ran sixth and second from back row draws. It won a Cobram Cup. We'll talk to Dave Moran. I just want to hear that the horse uh, has pulled up really well from that run. I think it's a couple of weeks ago now, so he's had a little a little break between runs, which I'm happy about. I just it's just the draw just didn't really jump out at me. The five, I'm just not sure where he'll set. He'll have to do a little bit of work in running. And number six, however, is really maturing into a nice horse. Had a great chat with John Justice after the Horsham Cup and. John said, I wish there was stand starts around. He's just a terrific stand start horse. Not sure how. Well, he'll have to go into state then, won't he? Yeah, I'm not sure how John knows that because I'm not sure when he does a stand start with him. He might do them at home or something. And I said to him, you know, oh, there's a $100,000 stand at Redcliffe. And he's always lit up, you know, and he, <laughs> he lit up, I said, in the winter carnival. And he said, oh, I'll have to have a look at that. And I said, holiday. Yeah. I said to him, you could have a couple of weeks up there as a holiday and, and uh, leave the team behind forever to look after. And uh, he, <laughs> it, it all started sounding really good to John. <laughs> so off the, just the way he looked there, though, I think he's a nice horse, however, and John's really happy with him. It's just a... He's been crueled by barrier draws. He just never seems to get a good draw. He's on the inside second row or six or seven of late. So I don't think that's helped him. And somehow, Dan, I've left Bulletproof Boy out, which is a cardinal sin in these races because he could easily run top two. Tangoing with Sierra could get the run of the race. She could certainly place as well. And, well, yeah, Outlaw Man, he's won... He's won his last seven and six of those he led on. He led in, and yeah, he's up in class. It's amazing. You would rarely see a horse win so many in a row go around at 18s and 3.30. And if it, to be truthful, he's probably unders, if anything. Uh, let's. That is the race seven, the Marca Vita free for all. Great little uh, free for all race. I like those little free for all races. Race eight, the Allied Express Trot and another race where there's a few key players, Sir Patrick. It was a funny run last week. He came so fast and hard, and then he died on his run. Marengo Bay's been ultra-consistent. Anywhere Hugo was a bit of an eye-catcher at Ballarat. He galloped out, made a, lost a lot of ground. He made up a lot of ground, and he finished with a lot of these others that are in this race. Golden Sunset flashed home last start, but has a very tricky draw. Uh, Elder Baron Huey was really impressive last time when he led and won, but it was in slow time. Royal Charlotte's been racing much more consistently. Dan, there's lots of options here for you. Yeah, there is. Um, I'm probably too many. Not, he says. Yeah, well, there is. I mean, I probably going to. Well, I'm going to settle on the the two favourites, but you know, it's not the sort of. I'd want to be going wider with a few other chances come the last leg of the big six or or the quaddy. Um. Marengo Bay has just got a a short enough sprint. You know, it's not a, a, a sprint that sort of lasts more than 400 metres, which is adequate to keep earning checks. And it's probably the right, uh, better for him that he's running well and being placed in races rather than winning them and just charging through the classes, which mm-hmm. is what he looked like he was going to do. Mm. Um because he loomed up last start and then tipsy-turvy was just much too strong, but he's drawn the back row. This is three starts in a row. Barrier nine, back row behind Anywhere Hugo. Maybe not that bad a draw. Might be in front of a pair or two, and that might suit him. Look, um, he's my top pick, not without a lot of confidence. I think Sir Patrick, even though it's a wide draw front line, it might be a better draw, and he's fitter. I think he just needed that other run last time. Mm. So um, 
put him in the mix. Anyway, Hugo, uh, he's getting on a bit. Um, his wins are few and far between, but he's dropping back in class. So uh, a bit of a D-day for him, but I think he can perform well with that good gait. Uh, on his history and, and performances, he, he probably should be drawing the second line. So it's got to be an advantage for him uh, drawing the front line and uh, and Elder Baron Huey. So I look, I'm pretty much, they is that order of, I think it's order of favouritism I've gone, but I, I'm, there are other horses that I'm not convinced I can put into my top four, like a, a Naked Ambition, Golden Sunset through the draw, um, maybe even a Royal Charlotte who was okay last start, but looked like she was dropping out at the 400. Um, look, there are cases you can make. Uh, maybe we're overlooking the obvious. Maybe there's just three key chances, nine, seven, two, and I threw in the four for fourth. All right. Well, I settled on Sir Patrick. I'm a big fan of this horse, and I'm not sure where he settles in the run. I'm just picking him on the basis that he's the best horse in the race uh, with the great man Mark Hayes on board. Forgive his Kilmore run. He just he just fighting out a bit towards the end. Last time, I think he'll have a more sustained sprint this time for a little bit further, and he might just wait that little bit longer if he's coming from back in the field. Over the nine, Marengo Bay, who's just racing terrifically consistent. I thought the one made a killing might have got under a few people's guards. Uh, one back in uh, July at Maryborough. It's next three starts. It started off 50 metres behind, 40 metres behind, and gate six at Melton. And the figure form doesn't look great for uh, this horse. It ran. Well, its figure form is better than its mobile form. Seven seven six. Yeah, its mobile form's not great, which is of concern. But its two runs back from a spell haven't been too bad. It ran seventh, beaten a fair way by Shawnee, but obviously needed that run. It then ran fifth off twenty metres behind to Travel Bug. Now. It's if Travel Bug was in this race, it would be, you know, probably favourite. I would have thought it'd be very close to. If it was drawn gate one. I would expect it to win this by about fifteen or twenty metres. So I just think it's going to get a really soft run, made a kill, and it might be able to boot through at the start if it gets away safely and soundly and hand up to Elder Baron Huey. And I just thought it could be one at a little bit of value. I probably wouldn't want any less than what it is, $16.350. Must be respected with AJ and Bo Tyndale, who then I just, I'll come back to that in a sec, but I'll ask you a question about them uh, in a second. And I had Elder Baron Huey in for fourth place. So I just think he'll cross and lead. And he's got a great record in front, Elder Baron Huey. His last five times he's led, he's now won four of them, and he ran second to Elder Baron Zeus in the other one. Uh, AJ and Bo Tyndale, the best horse they've got going around at the moment. Can you name it, Dan? Um, Trip. No, is that- it sounds like you know, and I've probably semi-forgotten. They had that brutally handsome, the horse that was named after you there, that was probably heading towards the best of their horses, but go on. No, no, he's, he's, I reckon he's, I've seen him win six races on three nights at Melton. Uh, the last three times I've been at Melton, I've seen this horse win six races, some of them by about 50, 80 uh, metres. I know where you're coming from now. <laughs> and uh, does their son, uh, Cohen, um, yes, yes. drive the horse? Yeah, he does. He's killing it in the pony trots. It's that. I made reference, I think, uh, even last week, that if they lined him up in one of the uh, <laughs> uh, races on the on the actual program, he's going well enough that he'd, he'd probably start favourite. So you're right. Well, he might be in Buddy this, Major. Buddy Major, that's his name. He, he might be in this race, and if he does it at 500 to 1, you could nearly have a dollar each way on him. Oh, no doubt. I think I would. It's the right sort of race where you'd be tempted <laughs> to do that, wouldn't you? And it's the culmination of the... Correct. Uh, Pony Trot Championship tomorrow night, and, and Cohen Tyndale has pretty much got an unbeatable lead. He would have to not complete the course in Darcy Fisher um, to uh, to win uh, for Cohen to not take that title. And um, look, his he, trotter is, like you said, is absolutely flying at the moment. So they've had a great run with their feature Pony Trot races, but the culmination of that championship Pony Trot series is tomorrow night at Melton. Let's get to the 11.30 news. We'll get hold of David Moran. He'll be on his way to Wagga. Uh, so we should be able to nestle in for a good chat for a good uh, 10 or 12 minutes with David Moran. The 11.30 news, back the other side. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Well, welcome back to the Friday Form Panel and thanks to Ronnie 
uh, for a nice texting. Great four-week stint, Toby. It's been entertaining, informative and profitable. Keep up the great work. Good on you, Ronnie, and always great to have Ronnie on board. And Brian sent a text in, Adelaide owner here, can Polly put kettle on, turn the tables on Jewelby Will. I obviously missed that, Brian. You'll have to go and podcast. Uh, a great uh, producer here, Ollie, is individually podcasting all the races, cutting them up individually. So if you head to uh, the SEN Track Friday form panel podcast page, you'll see all the races on there. And Dan Malecki is tipping that uh, Polly put kettle on can turn the tables on Jewelby Will. I just wasn't so keen on uh, Polly put kettle on, not for any real particular reason. You just can't tip every single horse. You don't now, like Dan, South Australians, do you? Sorry, Dan? You don't like South Australians, do you? Um, South Australians, South Australians. Well, one um, of the owners, obviously, just uh, yeah. SMSed in from South um, Australia. What are you trying to say about the Crow Eaters? No. Why you've got so much against the South Aussies? Well, my, my Why this issue, hatred? My issue with South Australia at the moment is it's meant Gambia Cup this weekend and mm. Uh, I have to do Trots Vision. So it's the first Mount Gambier Cup I'll have missed in about four years. I think I've been to the last four. So uh, my issue at the moment is the um, I couldn't get to the Mount Gambier Cup, and I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed. It's a wonderful Ticked night. Off. It is a wonderful night. There's a big crowd goes. It's an underrated uh, meeting, the Mount Gambier Cup. And uh, I look... Um, Operative line will be winning the Mount Gambier Cup on Saturday night. So you can just, uh, if you're looking for a bet, operative line, uh, Beck East, it's drawn gate two. It's a nice horse, Dan. Nice, nice horse. Kevin Bruff on board. This will be Kevin Bruff. I think he's been in in, in about 48 Mount Gambier Cups, and he's only won probably 46. So, no, it's not that many or anything. But uh, Bruffy will drive uh, operative line, and and it'll win that race. I'm very confident it'll win that race uh, on Saturday night. Night. We've uh, got a couple of good races there, even the yeah. race before, which the Cup's not actually the open class race, is it? Or No, no it, it's not. Correct. No. The, yeah. yeah, their Cup's sort of that middle-tier middle, middle tier horse, always sort of has been. Um, and often, you know, you get good horses coming through. The the Cravens and the Lees have had, had great cracks at it. Highway to Heaven won it one year. It paid like $2. It was astounding. Um yeah, so they generally put a good horse in it, and I think Operative Lines just the sort of horse that it'll win it. And yeah, Modern Bliss goes over. I think he's a great chance, Modern Bliss. And there was a couple of others in that race as well. Uh, from memory, I haven't got the field up in front of me. What I do want to talk to you about mm. is the Miracle Mile. Now I've said this a couple of times. You'll like this, Dan. Mm. Every time I have a discussion on the Miracle Mile, it's like having a beer. I'm I'm more confused and disorientated afterwards. <laughs> you shouldn't be driving for a start. <laughs> Um, probably, and that's a good thing too. And the talk uh, with the four-year-olds, I mean, this is an area that I think Harness Racing Victoria missed the boat with. Uh, catch a wave, could have run in a Victoria Cup as a three-year-old, a Hunter Cup as a four-year-old. And it's the talk that's created by having the younger horses engaged. This Miracle Mile wouldn't have uh, the chat about it um, without Catch a Wave and Captain Ravishing uh, in the mix. And they're four-year-olds. And we've had plenty of four-year-olds over the last few years. But we missed that in the Hunter Cup. Um, and here's a horse that comes out, wins a Chariots of Fire, and is a chance to win a Miracle Mile for that matter. So we don't miss that chat. And sometimes the best part about the Miracle Mile is having an opinion and having a, a draw card, having a, a marquee horse, even a divisive horse, if Captain Ravishing is heading that way. Very for some clever. People, yeah. It's very clever, um, very clever. But there are so many different angles to look at here. Uh, and really, if Captain Ravishing wasn't in there, it would lessen nearly 50% of the reasons to chat about the race. So he has to be there, and he is. Um, but Honolulu Bay is the uh, Hunter Cup star, and he was terrific winning last week. And we've got the, I think we've got the best open-class horses in Australia. If there was a horse or two that should be there, well, they've, they've had their opportunities for whatever reason. Uh, it might be a couple of others from the Emma Stewart stable, but she's well-represented in a race that really it's the ladies' race. They should call it the ladies' race. Um, Emma Stewart trains four runners. Belinda McCarthy trains two runners. Kate Gath drives another. And the only horse that actually has a male trainer and a male driver is a female horse. In Brave UK. Now, Dan, I'm sorry to interrupt, interrupt you, but Dave Moran is on the way to Wagga. I think he's come back into reception. Dave, we're just talking about this Miracle Mile with uh, Honolulu Bay in it, mate. Uh, you must be pretty excited about it. Yeah, no, it's very exciting, Toby. It's always, uh, 
they're always good races to be a part of. Um, so yeah, no, very very exciting. What what are the tactics initially, mate? It looks like a race where you should get across to the running line pretty easy, and then what are you just going to sit back and see what happens from there? Yeah, just play it by ear. Yeah, it's sort of one of them races, I guess, when you really sit down and enough it out. It, um, you know, there's probably three different scenarios that could happen, but we won't know until the light goes on. We won't really know what, what's going to happen. Um, yeah, so it's a bit of an interesting one, but um, we'll know pretty quick as soon as the light goes on, that's for sure. I think with Spread of St Louis drawing the pole, if it was another race or at another track, Mac Dan might easily cross him, but with a Miracle Mile, and you know it pretty well, you've had a bit of experience here, that, that speed that gate goes at, it is a massive advantage if you've got a horse with a bit of gate speed drawn the inside. So Spirit of St Louis kicks up, Mac Dan comes out of the gate, uses his asset. I think you've naturally got that speed you would expect, and, and that's going to suit Honolulu Bay because he's got the gate speed to hold a spot without having to overdrive him, and you just click so well. You must know this horse every hair on his body by now, Dave, because you've you've built up a wonderful relationship with him. Yeah, no, it, um, no, I pretty much do now. Dan, he's um, sort of partnered him for quite a while now, so we sort of know him back to front. But um, you've probably touched on a good point, like with, with Spirit of St. Louis and Mac Dan. Um, they probably hold the key there, really. Um, I've bounced back to form a little bit, and Mac Dan's also going exceptionally well, but it's, it's probably the, that's probably the main um, main parts of the race for us, whether Mac Dan does or doesn't come out the gate. You know, if, mm. if he doesn't sort of charge out the gate, then I'd imagine it's going to be a pretty ordinary lead time, and um, you know that changes the complexion of the race a fair bit. So, to where more more so to whether we do have to drive further forward or whether we're, whether we just sort of slot in where we are. That's that's um, that's probably going to be the main object. Do you think you can win from four back the outside, David, or do you have to be that just that one horse closer, three back the outside? Obviously, you'd rather be three back, but I don't think any horse at, at Menangle has won from as far back as four back the outside. It just feels like that's just that little bit too far back. Yeah, no, it, it's more so, like I said, with the lead time, that, that's probably going to be, play the biggest part to where we want to be in running. Um you know, if it's a slow lead time and we're full back the outside, no, we probably can't oh, win. Yeah. Um, if they're going to run a ridiculous half and a flashing last quarter, then it's going to make it near on impossible. But um, yeah, I don't think I don't think that's the way we really have to drive this horse. Like I, I think because we've driven him that way over the past few months, in and that's the way the circumstances have worked out over longer distance races. Um, then you'd say, you know, yeah, you do have to probably drive him with a sit over the 22 and 24 and 2700. But he's a horse that can certainly do a fair share of work over a mile. Like, I think you go back to his shepherd and run in the second round of Indian Dominion heats, and he was three wide for nearly the last 1200 metres, uh, yeah. you know, solo. So he can certainly do work, don't get me wrong. If, if he's sort of, if he's left outside him, uh, that wouldn't worry me one bit um, because Spirit of St. Louis won't want to be. I don't want to be running the arms off the clock and, and we won't want to either. It's just going to make it difficult for every other runner. So if people think, um, you know, if people think that he has to be driven with a sit and we're going to be happy to be in the running line wherever it'll be, they're, they're completely wrong. I think that Into the Minion series has really made this horse or mm. that extra length or two where he's at now. I mean, I, I see the improvement, but do you reckon not just, say, me as an observer, but everyone involved uh, with the horse, he'd never really been asked to back up quickly. Maybe wasn't thought to have the constitution where he would handle all those runs in a short period. But it seems as if it's what he was yearning and it's actually made him. Yeah, definitely, Dan. Yeah, he definitely... Um, it's definitely made him a better horse, for sure. Like, it's... Um some of them other races that he went through that he that he was still winning, but he wasn't winning to me as a driver. He wasn't winning them convincingly. He didn't really want to really knuckle down. Um, and it was probably more so, like you said, through that Inter Dominion series where he just he sort of had to back up and he had to do it. And it's just it's just really toughened him up and seasoned him uh, for some of these other races. I think you know even in the races like the Victoria Cup um, where he sat one one on on the back of rock and roll too. And, you know, he probably had his chance and, and he ran second, but he, he probably had his chance to run him down and he just couldn't. But 
since then he's gone through that end of series and it's just really toughened him up, as you've seen, uh, you know, in races like the Hunter Cup in that sense. You got, you're on your way to uh, Wagga, mate. You've got three in there today just for our, our listeners. Just uh, one you, oh, a couple. One's driving for Greg Fleming. One you're driving for a bike called Nathan Jack. And, and one is uh, of your own accord, Rock and Roll Gig. Yeah, you know, it should be, um, should be a pretty good day. Um, the first fellow in, in race four um, here for a good time, he, he's going quite well. He's only had the one start for one win and should be should be mighty hard to beat again today. Um Captain's Queen probably gets into that race quite good for what she's been racing. Probably dropping back in grade and should be also hard to beat. And probably the same with Red Hot Assassin and Rock and Roll Gig in the last race. Um, yeah, they they all should be quite hard to beat today. They seem to be graded quite well. Wow! And Saturday night at Melton, there's a couple of horses that are just racing so well and. Could easily have some ones next to their name, uh, in particular. Well, bite our time for one. Like, just just keeps running seconds and thirds. You just can't get that win, though, mate. No, he, he can't. He um, he's going quite well. Like he, he he's no world beater, but he's just um, he's a great little racehorse. Um, he's very very honest, and um, you know he's probably had a few chances this time in where, where he was a little bit disappointing. Uh, found wanting at the end, but he seems to have sort of. He seems to have strengthened up a bit now, and his last few runs have been really good. He's, he's just been a bit stiff. He's run into some better ones and uh, run into um, Mr. Perfect last start, and I think it went 51 or 52, and yeah. he's, he's just, yeah, I think they got a 26-and-a-half or 27 flat or something like that, and that's just that's just about as quick as he can go. So he, he's a horse that needs a little bit of luck in his races, but he just, he's a great, honest little horse, and, um, you know, you, you'd love to own him, that's for sure. He certainly would the last couple of months because uh, you wouldn't have had to contribute anything. Um, and there's probably only... What's, I wonder what sort of percentage of horses provide that for, for owners. It'd be less than 10%, wouldn't it? Like the full training fee. So you dream of those sorts of horses. You probably dream of having a horse with the uh, progressiveness and talent of Curly James. Um, uh, excuse me for trying to think out of order here, but is he potentially the best horse you might have in your stable at the moment, Curly James. Yeah, possibly, definitely. Uh, he, he he's definitely a horse that um, he's come a long way. He, he's progressed. You know, I think he's only had around about the twenty starts, and um, he's progressed into a really nice horse. Um, he's going to need. You know, the run will do him well tomorrow night. He's had a few weeks without a start. Um, tomorrow night, he'll, he'll definitely need the run. But he'll. Um, I would have thought he'd be hard to beat. Still, he's he's sort of. Run into a few nice horses and um, and he's going really well. He's run first up in the Cobham Cup, was really good, and then he ran into a nice one in Better Zippet. So um, yeah, he, he's a really nice horse, and I, I do yeah I do think he'll go a long way. That that gap between runs was just on the back of how tough that run was last time when he sat three wide for so far. Yeah, we just yeah we obviously didn't want to race him for a fortnight, and then mm. um, and then Courtney had a week off, so so sort of. We missed that week, and then Ballarat last week. We we probably should have went there, but we had a few um few things on, so we couldn't make it. So probably that's really the only reason. But he he holds himself together pretty good, so it shouldn't matter too much. By Courtney, I assume that's Courtney Laker, is it? She sits nicely in the cart, mate. I've seen her at the trial. She drives all right. <laughs> yeah, she does. She does. Now that's her that's her favourite horse. She she um she owns him with along with her um along with her dad. So um. No, they, they get quite a lot of enjoyment out of him and um, be quite a nice horse to uh, to have as your first, first horse to own, I would have thought. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Better than the first one I ever owned anyway. Dave, uh, probably one more. We're loving the journey of Lock and Var up. We're all sort of sitting back watching, no doubt you are too, over in America and just cheering him on every time he runs. Yeah, it's great. No, it's really good to see him uh, going over there and... Um, and doing a good job, yeah. it's um, that's terrific. It's good to watch him. It'll be good, be good to see him come up against um, some best. of the better ones over mm-hmm. there and, and see how he adjusts and adapts to that level of racing. But no, it's good to see him going well. Hope you don't have to come back with a float uh, to Shepherd and tonight because I would think you would plant it well, Wagga. Yeah, yeah. Go on towards what no doubt Goulburn trials in the morning on the on the way to Menangle <laughs> or something like that, Dave. <laughs> Uh, I was originally going to go and stay at Brad Hewitt's tonight, and he said you can work a couple in the morning. So uh, 
I elected against that. I think we'll just drive straight through to Sydney tonight. <laughs> Good on you, Dave. Well avoiding hard work, something Dan and I know a little bit about. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, thanks for coming on. Great to catch you and uh, good luck today at Wagga. Good luck on Saturday night at Melton and especially good luck in the Miracle Mile on Honolulu Bay. No worries, guys. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. There's David Moran, Dan Malecki. I'll say goodbye to you as well. We've got 30 seconds to the ad break, mate. Thanks so much for the month. We have such great fun, and I've really enjoyed working with you. Yeah, ditto, uh, Toby. Great job by you too, as you do on every one of your programs uh, as well. So good tipping tomorrow night. Looking forward to the meeting at Melton and, of course, at Menangle. Thank you, Dan. Uh, let's get to that ad break I mentioned. We'll come back and we'll wrap it up the other side. Welcome, Welcome back. back. <laughs> it's a Friday four pedal. Toby McKinnon with you. Big fella says, is this the end of your four weeks, did Toby? Yes, it is. Awesome job you have done. Job well done. All the best, Dan and Toby, for your weekend, gents. Cheers from Big Fella. Thank you, Big Fella. And yes, this is the end of my four weeks, Then It's uh, nine and a half hours radio across a week. So over a period of four weeks, it's only, 30, it's only a 38-hour work week. Certainly feels a lot more than that. Chasing up guests, doing your preparation, looking at form, etc. Big thank you to Darren Carroll across the journey, not just for his tipping, but his support behind the scenes as well. And uh, uh, Saturday night, quickly, if you write this down, you're doing well. Race one, number two, I'm no pumpkin uh, for Saturday night. Sorry, race one, number two, I'm no pumpkin each way. Race three, number eight, my Bucks Night. Race five, number one, Caramar Solomona. Race six, number one, Heavenly Charm. Race eight, number one, Made a Killing are my best bets. I'll put it all up on Twitter. Go there, find me at Toby Kidd and 7-Eleven. Have a great afternoon with Miles Fitzner on the other side.